Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. No idea. I, my my internet has been a bit dodgy even setting up the Zoom, so I don't know what happened, and uh, I think um, I think it's okay now. Hopefully, it'll it just it just shut down. Wow, the internet has gone, man. Is somebody in your house downloading a humongous file? Is, uh, is, is that a euphemism for having a shit? No, uh, not everything is bowel related. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's essential, like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Yeah. Good evening Good evening I do have to be very quiet because it's very late It's half past twelve As I'm recording the intro to this podcast the internet in the house was down earlier on when I was at it and it was just taking forever so I thought look I'll leave it I'll do it tomorrow morning and then everyone went to bed and felt a little bit energetic so I said you know what maybe I'll have another go at it doesn't seem to be too bad I got one episode up this is my second episode I'm just recording the intro now Um, so fingers crossed it all goes well and we get it up at this rate it won't be up by Monday it'll be it's already Tuesday, so unless I can go back in time, that's fact. Um, as I record this, it is the 9th of March. The year is 2021. We're still in lockdown. Some of the school kids are back in school. My son is due to go back. He's in f- sixth class. They're due to go back next week, next Monday. Uh, I think that's all the primary school kids then. The fifth years are due to go back in secondary school, so that'll be sixth year, fifth year, all the primary school kids. And then they start bringing back in the rest of the secondary school kids. I think after Easter. So um, I think the prerogative, no, I think it's, I think the most important students are the fifth and sixth year, because obviously they're, they've started or almost finished the leaving search cycle um, so yeah that's that's the news at the moment there's nothing what's going on well the, it was the Harry the Harry or the Meghan and Harry interview at Oprah that was on tonight watched a little bit of that a few curveballs a few mic drops a few crazy the thing about the royal family though is and it was really apparent to me as I was watching that because he talks about his mother, his grandmother, the Queen. And there was some thing where he was supposed to go visit her. And then the last minute, she rang him and said, oh, 
from visit. Then at the last minute, there was a note saying, he can't, she has... Excuse me. If I was any good, I'd edit that out, but it's half twelve, lads. Himself and Megan were due to visit the Queen, his granny. Then all of a sudden, she cancelled. He rang her and said, what's going on, granny? Thought I was going to visit you. She was like, look, something's come up. He said, what about next week? Or, you know, during the week, some stage. She said, no, it's all booked up now. And he was saying, look, I know that if it was up to the granny, she'd be like, but she doesn't make the decisions. She she looks to other people to advise her on what best to do and for whatever reason that was the decision she made based on the advice and he was kind of going look she does make the decisions she kind of does what she's told and sometimes she's done what she's told is the wrong thing so she you know that must be upsetting she's trying to do the right thing and she's a product of the way she's brought up the problem aren't as far as I can see they're not the problem isn't the family themselves I mean, there's a couple of wrong-uns in there, but it's the institution, it's the people around them, the institution that controls the royal family and the people in the royal family. That's all a bit fucking weird, isn't it? Like, it's so important that they keep the royal family, that it continues the royal family doesn't die out so there's people and that's their job to make those decisions to make sure that the royal family doesn't you know that the public don't turn completely against the royal family you know so it's all PR and you know working with the tabloids and fucking bullshit mad to be brought up in that and you know what happened to his mother and everything poor fella but he's doing the right thing I was uh I, I was on Twitter saying it was like it was kind of like the time Roy Keane left the Irish team um, in Saipan very similar very similar anyway um, speaking of the royal family and the tabloids and Lady Di Princess Diana um, there is some paparazzi stories in here for you courtesy of my friend Mike and um, because it's Monday night, me and Mike upload our chat from it was from Friday this weekend, and uh, we had a request from my nephew, which you'll hear about. So this podcast is dedicated to Liam. If you're listening, Liam Liam Mullen, my nephew, um, and you'll hear why he wanted to know about. He's he's big into photography, but I explain that again. So this is episode seventy-seven, I think, of the Keith Watch podcast. We'll be talking about paparazzi, photography stories. Um, when Lady Diana died, and the coolest photographer in the world ever happens to work for National Geographic. And that's it. Um, and some other crazy... St- oh, yeah. No news on the radio play, I'm afraid. We haven't done anything on that. But there will be soon, someday. When you least expect it, I'm sure. Anyway, I gotta go uh, upload this audio. I'll be back for a little chat after this. It is episode 77. I'm about to sneeze. It's the Keywatch podcast. 
me chatting to my friend Mike. I'm gonna sneeze. Um, there's nobody else in How the house. You, actually, oh wow! How come? You got the place to yourself? Yeah, my wife had work. Had to go to do a work thing, and my son has just gone outside for a little while. So, yeah. Yep. Oh. Woo! Thanks. So, <laughs> the whole Zoom thing, right? I'm on a. I've got a small picture of me and a big picture of you. It's oh. real dominant, dominating. Are, are you? I think what, I, I, what view I, I, are you in? Speaker view, gallery view. Oh, look. Going to gallery. You know what? There should be, for uh, middle-aged men and middle-aged women, in fact, there should be a Zoom training course. You know, because it's just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm becoming paranoid about Zoom now and what's behind me. I was actually thinking this week of getting a piece of uh, wood, a big, you know, the big old piece mm. of MDF or whatever, yeah. painting it white, yeah, and then painting a... Um, what do you call it on, on it? A bookcase. And then I was going to do the sort of the binders of various books. And they were going to be like, how to become a mass murderer. And... <laughs> Why would they not be all like books by Mike Marin? Oh, shit. Why didn't I think of that? That's a really good idea. But I just want ones that like make me out to be some sort of, you know, uh, Beginning, beginning your porn journey or something like that. You know, that. <laughs> how to, how to, how to commit murder and get away with it. Yeah. Uh, my wife is ringing me. Hang on a sec, there. Let's just see. Let me just answer this. See if she'll there. Hello. I'm having a cup of tea. How are you? How are you? Good. What's the crack? Okay, and will you be home then at some stage? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just recording a podcast. We're doing our podcast today, so then basically we oh, have right. we have Saturday off. Okay, cool. Do you want to say um, Do you want to say hello to the podcast listeners? Uh, hey, podcast listeners. Hey, she's a natural. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice my voice? Yeah, you put on your podcast voice and put you put on my podcast voice. I'm driving behind this truck. Okay. It's good. It's good it's intel. Of where I'm at, make it visual and yeah. Uh, Paint a picture. Paint a picture. <laughs> it's going about three miles per hour, but that's okay. I'm not in a rush to get to the post depot. Oh. Sounds like you're in a rush. Uh, okay, well, we'll just crack on with this. And uh, are you going to get something for tea? Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's just very, 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 We'll just get some. Could you ask her to be less specific? Could you, be, could you somehow manage to be a little bit less specific? Just a tiny bit. I don't, think I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I think she's keeping it all very vague. She's putting on a weird American voice. She's just become very self-aware. <laughs> Did you teach her how to? Does she think I'm some young? Does she? Does she think I'm some young hot guy? And she's trying to. Oh. Don't think she's interested. We might just we might just go on the podcast and you can just talk to yourself there, hon, if that's all right. Okay. 
Bye. <laughs> See you later. Love you. Bye. 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 It's amazing what like telling someone there's a, that was quite a normal conversation initially, but as soon as I said that there was a mic there, it just became it was just gobbledygook. It was just like what was she even talking about? That's what happened every time we sit in front of a microphone. Gobbledygook. Apart from if there's a young hottie on the other side, you're going, Hi, do you like oasis? <laughs> Is that joke getting a bit thin now? No, no, Jesus, that's your catchphrase now, Mike. That's part of your catchphrase armor. Um, what were you asking me there? Oh, yeah, the Zoom thing. Yeah, well, I think you should. You could just have a screen. I mean, you can create a, a background, though. Oh, can you? Like, you can cr digitally create a background, a Zoom background. Now, I don't know if I can do that right now, but uh, I could show you another time. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, you know what I should do? It's probably if I get on YouTube, there'll be some 12 year old in Wisconsin who goes, Yeah, so you go into the edit, and it depends on which uh, version of Mac you're on. And if you're an EOS uh, 421.7, you can do this way, and you can do it that way, and you can just pick yourself a cat. <laughs> uh, you could just ask your son, Jimmy, he might know. I yeah. have a couple of things I want to uh, I want to mention Good. because. Uh, there was a very nice Instagram message since I put up the, the podcast of you talking about your, that's available as a podcast, Mike talking about his fertility journey, I'm calling it. Is that fair? Is that yeah, fair enough? I hate the word journey, um, but I have, uh, um, my wife and I listened to that together. Oh. Uh, yeah. And I, I said to her at the end, listen, was that okay with you? Did that sort of, you know, did it resonate and whatever? She did, it said, but uh, you didn't tell the bit about when uh, when my water was broke and uh, we were, you know, you were running around like a lunatic looking for towels and plastic bags so we wouldn't ruin the car to go to the hospital. And when we got down to the, st the stairs, apparently into the car, uh, I'd done my back in, as I said in the podcast the previous day. And uh, it was kind of a bit twingy, you know? And she's actually screaming now in labour, going, oh, water everywhere. I said, listen, is there any chance you could drive? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> so male, like it was like I got a twinge in my lower back and I don't want to make it any Just, worse. Yeah. yeah. She's about to shit something the size of a football and I'm going, ah no, fuck, there's any chance you could just drive. <laughs> I uh, when my wife was in the middle of pushing our daughter out, um, we had we, you were talking about the birthing plan. We had bought oh god, we had bought some stuff like some gear, some like you know she had bought like she had one of those yoga balls. She had you know bits and pieces. She had, like and we bought and one of the things she'd bought like because I was like trying to help you know one thing she bought was this like spray this water spray you know it was like a. <laughs> It was one of these fancy brands, French Eau de yeah. Eau. De, Eau, de Eau. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just, for some reason, <laughs> she was just in the middle of, you know, Pushing. contractions and a lot of pain and shit and waiting for, I, think, I don't even know if she'd had the epidural. I don't, she mightn't have started. She was in a lot of pain anyway. She mightn't have started pushing yet. And I just sprayed. 
I just little spritz, spritz of water into her face. Oh my God, she nearly fucking shoved it up my ass. Like, I was like, what? You, you, like, you bought it for this very purpose. So I could, exactly. spray, I could spray fresh, cool water into your face. It is the biggest pile of horseshit, isn't it? The birthing plan. What do you want? What what song do you want playing as the the baby crown? It's like fuck. That's the I love, last thing. I love that bit when you said, "What was your birthing plan?" And you were like, well, "We should be listening to the water voice by now." Oh, oh, fucking hell! Classic. Anyway, somebody sent a message on oh, yeah. Instagram. So that so uh, this is um. They've obviously listened to the podcast and they've they've gotten back to my message that I put up yesterday. Uh, if I can just find it now, uh, it's Caroline Carolina Moon is her name. Oh, Carolina! I, uh, I adore your friend Mike. Love the podcasts because you're like two schoolboys having the crack sometimes, but this one was so raw and honest. Mike is to be commended for sharing such an intimate experience done with honesty and no holes barred in his own inimitable style of storytelling. So glad Jimmy came along after all that. Makes you appreciate something that you just take for granted, doesn't it? Well done, Mike, from Carolina. Carolina? Oh, Carolina! (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think of. Sorry, (laughs) you can respond to Carolina. I won't interrupt you. Uh, No, I, I... Thank you, Carolina. I don't know whether to be serious now and say, yeah, no, thank you very much, Carolina. It is something that doesn't get um, talked about very often. Uh, um, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I didn't realise I had my own inimitable style. You have your own inimitable style. Mike, yeah. that's the very thing. In my intro, I was saying when I met you all those years ago in the, in the hotel, and then when we, we met up, I was like, this guy just has a great way of telling a story and so many stories. That's what. That's what drew me to you, Mike. Oh, what drew me to you was your hair. <laughs> you want to see my mullet? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. You have? You've got a mullet? What in the name of Jesus? Is that, is that trendy at the moment? I don't know. I just, I just cut the side of it and then I, I butchered my hair. <laughs> I just don't care. I stopped caring, Mike. Yeah, it looks like a bit. it's a bit one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You haven't oh, stopped caring enough. Not to put just for men in, though. Oh no, I haven't put any of that in for a while. You have though. There's, there's. there's no, no this is this this is all natural. There's, there's. Yeah. I'm glad your chair squeaks as well. My squeaks really badly. That's part of the podcast. That's the most important part oh, is, is the squeaky chairs. Uh, Sinead, who I think you might know, Sinead is on Twitter. She says uh, about another podcast she'd obviously listened to. I think from the week before. Um, Mike, can you write that story about the lives of the flight passengers, please? Sounds like a fab story. I love Sinead. Sinead's in Donegal. Um, she's, uh, she's an OG. Um, if I knew how to fucking reply. You see, this is, this is showing me up so badly. Middle-aged man, can't do Zoom, get completely flustered when I do Twitter. I sometimes reply to you because I know it doesn't really matter a shit if I offend you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But I can't get involved in, in big, the bigger pictures. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always afraid to get involved in sort of political stuff. I'd like to say stuff, but I, I could be either just DMing. So I don't know. You see, it's all a lot of old bollocks, isn't it? It's a new language to speak. If you uh, if, if you if you reply on Twitter, everyone's going to see it. Yeah. 
your followers, you their followers. If you there's a, there's a little envelope icon, that's a direct message. You can't direct and you can't just direct message anybody. You have to be following them. Yeah, that's that's shit. Because that, I wanted to direct somebody direct message the other day and they wouldn't it wouldn't work. That's that's complete bollocks. That's, that's the point. Stop, to, but that's to stop people like because you can't just sl- slide into someone's DMs. It's weird. Well, what's the point if somebody's got an opinion and I want to, you know, I want to say to them, listen, sunshine, say it in, off, say it in public. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I, no, I don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to say it in public, though, do I? I don't want yeah, to belittle somebody. Not that I'm going around belittling people. This makes me sound like you, an even more arrogant shit. You want to have a you go at I mean? somebody on Twitter, but you don't want anyone else to see you're doing it. No. Um, I Sometimes you think, actually, you know what? I'd just like to say to that person, maybe it's late in the evening and they just want to stop talking now because they're obviously pissed and they're trying to insult people and trying to incite some sort of thing. And you just say, you know, relax yourself there. Yeah. I'm not a lot of fighter. You know, by my nature. You could just tweet them, and, and uh, people wouldn't mind seeing that if you just said, maybe just take the rest of the day off. Oh, yeah, but you see, I've done, I, I think I did that once, and then somebody came down on me saying, you can't tell people what to say. It's like, oh, fuck, you know what I mean? That's the Twitter arty. Yeah, that is the issue. I, I See, I'm, I'm, I don't... I feel like I should have a Twitter account, and I quite like Twitter, but it's a bit of an echo chamber, because I only like... I, like, I only listen to people, and or not listen to people, but look at people who... I kind of like and um b- by virtue of the fact then that it's only things that i like hearing back to me that i get yeah. so i'm not really getting an unbiased view of things it's a it's a it's a diddly of a pickle um it is a diddly of a pickle and it's just it's not, i'm you know i don't want to sort of offset that and then join some follow some nazi group because then when i become a world famous mm. sort of entertainer Writer, uh, writer. He's, he's followed all the Nazis for the last 10 years. And, it's and, like, you're, oh, and you're like, I was just trying to balance things up. I was yeah. mostly I was mostly following people who love the Jews up until that point, And I just wanted to get a few Jew haters. Oh. Apparently balance. David Bedeal's book is very, very good. Well worth a read. It's on my list. And I think I might get the audio book because I think I might enjoy. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, pres- I'm presuming he read his own audio book. Uh, thank you for the t- thank you for the reminder. Sinead finishes. She oh, says uh, so. She wants you to write that story about the passengers, right? So that's on your to do list. Write it down there. Um, sounds like it'll be a fab story. And Keith, I've never heard of having the goo for want of a drink. Thank I you. heard I heard people say have a goo if you're having a look at something, but I'd never heard of having the goo for a drink. So there you go. Good feedback. I I said I I, I thought that was good solid feedback. From Sinead, so we appreciate that. Sinead has got a solid sense of right and wrong. The goo doesn't exist, and in fact, you—I've been—I've been gorging again on your podcasts because I mean, I've, I felt like I needed to catch up with everything, and I listened to Donica O'Callaghan, which was, I'd say, up there in your top three so far. The Ooh. energy was phenomenal, but you also said to him at one point, you know, when you got the goo, and he kind of went. As if he, you know, he was going along because he knew what you meant. It, you know, just kind of got the uh, for a couple of points. Do you ever get the for? He used to get ever get the goo for a couple of points, and he kind of went, "Ah, uh, no, boy, you know, we still some stringer. Why we wouldn't go on for points?" Like, um, but he was brilliant. But um, speaking of podcasts and podcast recommendations, normally we recommend somebody else's podcast. 
but I recommend you talking to Justin as a podcast. Okay, Justin Caffrey. Unreal. Wow. So good, I listened twice. Never listened to a podcast twice before. Only by mistake. (laughs) (laughs) When you're drunk. Had you... Had you the goo for a few? Um, yeah, no, it was brilliant because, and like I said to you, and I put up a, an Instagram. You're not, you don't really do Instagram, Mike, do you? No, Jesus. I've, listen, Twitter's bad enough, but watching people pretend they're having a nice life really pisses me off. Um, As, I'm, I'm part of, stuff. I'm part of honest Instagram. But I put up a, a, a story. You can do, you can do an Instagram story, and I said, look, on the back of somebody saying this to me, you, you know, you should go back. You should listen to this uh, podcast I did with Justin, and I was like, and I think he wouldn't mind me saying that, you know, at the start of the podcast, I was a bit like, who is this guy? What you know, what's the story with this guy? And then, as he got into it, I was like, but uh, that's, I mean, I'm sort of stealing your thunder here. You really are, yeah. I was about to say all that sort of stuff. Mm. But no, you, you listen to the beginning in it, beginning, and you think, okay, you know, this is a story I've heard a few times. And this is a way of somebody sort of changing their lives and sort of making up for the life they've lived almost and sort of uh, being wealthy enough to live this sort of existence. And then you go, it just drops a gear and he just takes you on this roller coaster of story upon story upon story and it's just like oh jesus and and then if you go back and listen again at the beginning you know i wasn't particularly stressed or anything (laughs) jesus how could you not be stressed i've just heard what you what you went through over the last whatever 10 years i don't know i don't know what the time frame was but my god almighty it was unreal yeah more like i mean he was so he kind of like i think (laughs) You know, I think probably 20 years of madness, kind of, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, like, I, I honestly think he's a little bit, because I said to him, um, I said, because he's very religious. Is religious the right word? He's very strict now about his, so he gets up very early in the morning and mm. he, he goes, he jumps in the sea and, and, and he, you know, he, he does intermittent fasting and he's, 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 he's very strict. And I said, have you replaced that with, have you replaced your one addiction with another? Like, is, is it just another form of control? And I, and I wonder, because he just seems oblivious to the the stress that he must have been under. Yeah, like, yeah, but but yeah. it just goes to show that we are, and maybe especially men, we are just machines when it comes to uh, fucking ignore, blindly ignoring the truth of what we're actually, the life we're actually living. Mm-hmm. The, the one sentence I take away from it, above all else, um, when he, you know, he, he was deciding to give up the drink and sort of have a bit of counselling and stuff. And if you haven't listened to the podcast, please, please, please do. It is fantastic. And you'll get, get from this. He, he said, um, you said to him, you know, did your wife sort of kind of, you know, did, did, did she feel there was a change in you and you were worried that it was going to change your relationship? And uh, he said, off the cuff, he sort of said, um, well, we only argued when I drank. And I, <laughs> I said, there it is, right there in the little envelope, you know. Whose fault is that, you fucking idiot? It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But yeah. I think he does get it. I think he has got, you know, he feels his kind of urge to do stuff and get immersed and addicted to things and whatever, and he recognises that. But it's mm. just... Um, 
we won't spoil it but it's well well worth a listen and get over the first 30 minutes please do because sometimes you don't want to listen and then you you kind of you hear what he says and then you think oh christ am i am i able for this now yeah and, and at the end you're, you're sort of saying are you okay and he's going yeah yeah i'm fine it's like jesus yeah brilliant because it's, it's with, with a conversation like that like because i would when I'm having these conversations, I always talk to my therapist, Luke, and I say, look, I have these. And he said, look, you need to check with people at the end of it. Are they OK? You know, check in with them, make sure, you know, don't leave them raw. And I knew that he had a counselor that he checks in with every now and then so that I knew he'd be OK. But it's worth just asking the question. Um, but I was saying to my wife, Suzanne, I was saying, like, I was talking about Justin. I was talking about the podcast. It was really good. Like, and I, and I it was only I, I think I'm so bad at judging stuff myself and it's only that you said it back to me then I was like yeah that fucking was good yeah you're right um and I was saying Suzanne I was going geez like and and I was just I said to him at one point in the podcast like do you think you swap just it's just another form of control of your life now where you're like up at half five or you know and you're swimming and you're you know just mm. you just and she looked at me and went are you for are you for real? And I was like yeah I just feel like he's just swapped out one like it's just it's he's still trying to control everything you know she was like what time do you eat at every day I was like five o'clock <laughs> and what do you eat and what do you eat at five o'clock uh, sourdough bread sandwich with hummus and peppers peppers from a jar she was like every day yeah she said, you cannot fucking talk to anybody else about control and being <laughs> and having control issues <laughs> you fucking I was like fair <laughs> The funniest thing about that is you left a voice message for me saying, uh, will we do it sort of later on today? And I went, yeah, okay, yeah. And you probably said, oh, it's probably too late for you. You're probably having your pasta sauce or something. And I was like, no, I, I haven't. And then I felt like myself, no, that, that's only on Saturdays. It's only ever a Saturday thing. I can't be any other day. That would be, that would be completely, you know, out, out of my life. Why would I be having pasta sauce on a Friday, you fucking weirdo? That's the Saturday thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and yeah, so I was just saying, I was saying, to, I kind of, the conversation went on then with Susanna. I said, we're all, everybody has, has to have, you have to have control somewhere, don't you? You have to, you have to feel like we're not, we are in no way in control of anything that's going on. We have no say in what happens no. in the future. We have nothing, like we, we, there's no point in stressing. There's no point in worrying because we just ha have no say in what happens tomorrow in the next hour or whatever. It, this is fucking like, it's a miracle that we even, that we've even gotten this far, yeah. that we exist. Like this is, so we, so we just try and find these little things that we can control. And that's, I think that's, that's what it's all about. Ultimately. Well, you have to, you know, we're, 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 we're literally clinging to a rock. The only thing that's keeping us on it is gravity. And we make up these little, the little scenarios. In them. We've made this uh, society. We're just animals, really. But, you know, we're, we're no better. In fact, we're worse than any other animal on the planet. We're the only one that goes out there and actually, actually on purpose pollutes. And actually gets rid of the air that keeps us fresh and the water that keeps us you know fed and watered and you know we, we we are the most destructive animals on this rock and we're hurtling through space and the only thing we can do on a day-by-day -day basis is control something 
that we think we've got a handle on. Because if you stopped and thought about everything, you'd drive you fucking mad. Mm. Completely mad. Like. Yeah, let's not talk about it. Let's not think about it. We can talk about it, but let's not think about it. Um, how did you get on with your with the radio play script? If it's still, if it if you're still working on it, that's cool. There's no there's no deadline. Well, there was a deadline, but we've done this a day early, so exactly. it was actually for tomorrow. So I would have got up and done it tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask you about. So my um, nephew Liam, uh, Liam Mullen, big fan of the podcast, loves the podcast. Like on Thursdays, oh. he will he will text me at about. Like I'll be uploading the podcast on Thursday, and he'd be texting me, going, "Waiting for the waiting for the new podcast." Like he's literally waiting for the new episode. Uh, and I, I think he really likes you, Mike, as well. But uh, he's into big into photography, and right. he spends a lot of time now during lockdown because himself and his his granddad, my dad, are in a bubble together, so they spend a lot of time kind of walking out to the car and taking pictures and stuff like that. So that's that's his that's his big hobby. But he wanted me to ask you if you had any photography stories, specifically paparazzi, but anything photography related. Uh, I think he I think he thinks you might because of your hotel experience, you know. Um, very few paparazzi type stories. Um, the only big paparazzi story I suppose I have wasn't really a big story. And hello, Liam, by the way, thanks for listening. Um, listening to my inimitable, I can't even say the word, inimitable style. It's an inimitable style. Liam is very, um, Liam's a great, uh, great man to tell other people about the podcast as well. So he's a good marketing tool. So. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Liam. So thank even you, more. Liam. Um, but I was working in the Milestone Hotel, which was opposite Kensington Palace. And we may have touched on this before at the time when Princess Diana was living at Kensington Palace. So as I looked out, I, I used to do the doorman job every once in a while. So I was literally standing out on the road, gardens are now at the moment. Um, we should probably switch my yeah. off for this yeah. because I'm gonna turn my, my video thing has come up. Everything's turning up unstable. Is my voice okay? Yeah, it just it slowed down and then it went. But now it's fine, oh, I think. Jesus, I no, you're fine now. Anyway, yeah. So I was um, I was working in the milestone, and opposite us was Kensington Palace, <clears throat> and the driveway that led from Kensington Palace out onto the main road in South Kensington was her driveway, effectively. And they would always come flaking out of there um, with the blues and twos on and a quick siren and you'd always know that herself or Charles or another member of the royal family were coming out because um, you'd see two motorcycle police come up and they would block the road in either direction so that there would be no having to wait um, outside for them to sort of have to you know come out into the moving traffic or anything they would come out onto an untrafficked road and belt away yeah um, unfortunately one day um the ex-wife of Paul McCartney, whose name I can't remember now, it's gone from my head. Oh, she um, was the, with the one leg. Yes, she was a skier. Yeah, she was actually a model 
she was a, a Mills, 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 no. Uh, Heather, Heather he- Mills. Heather Mills. We did it between us. We remembered Heather a name. Mills, there we go, yes. yeah. Heather Mills McCartney. She was Heather Mills at this stage. Um, and she was, funnily enough, on her way to do a modeling shoot for a company that my wife was working for at the time in North London, Small World. Um, and she was coming across the road at a zebra crossing towards our hotel. Um, I was in the lobby at this stage. And um, unfortunately, she got knocked down oh. by um, one of the police cars. So, And that was that was what caused her leg to come off that day. Oh, my God. The, yeah. But the reason that they would come out of there and there would be police all over the place is because the paparazzi were all over Diana. So you would always have a few lads in trench coats with huge sort of telescopic lenses and stuff standing around outside our hotel. And uh, that was the sort of the sad occasion on that day that she got knocked down by the policeman. And all of a sudden there were just blue lights everywhere. The whole road shut. There were helicopters. It was a right kerfuffle because, of course, you know, it was active duty police officer who had knocked her down. So it was very, very sad for a finish. And she lost her leg, of course, and then went on to marry um, Paul McCartney, the great yeah, Paul McCartney. But that's a sort of sad paparazzi. I did not know that that's how she lost her leg. Mm. And so she kind of she went from being a model uh probably not hugely well known that happened to her and then she kind of ended up sort of being royalty herself because she was going out with sir paul yeah she, she was married become, to sir paul yeah she'd become an advocate for um disabilities and whatever and she famously went skiing on her prosthetic leg and lost the ski and all this sort of stuff and there was yeah. great fun about it yeah and then they got together and then yeah it was uh that was the only reason i think they ever got together yeah, she turned out to be a little bit uh, unstable. But anywho, um, that, that was that one. And, and, and while we're on stories of, uh, of crashes, which I didn't mean to go down this route. But, uh, <laughs> I, was all... <laughs> I just couldn't. I was trying not to laugh when you said she turned out to be a bit unstable. I was like, well, you know, she only had one leg in fairness to her. Which is, which is, I'm trying not to. The three-legged barstool, what do you call it with one leg left? Um <laughs> <laughs> a three-legged so, stool with, with two legs. Heather Mills McCann. Um so uh That's where I did not know that. Wow. <laughs> um but I was actually a dormant in the Athenaeum Hotel um one day, and um the Athenaeum Hotel is right at the bottom of uh Piccadilly, as uh J Dog, our other listener, will know. And um, right at the bottom, there's a there's an underpass that comes up from Hyde Park Corner. Uh, and uh, there was a motorbike courier flaking from Park Lane towards Piccadilly. And a taxi came up from the underpass and they met at exactly the wrong moment. And I heard this bang. And I was about 70 or 80 metres, let's say, away from the where the crash happened. And all I saw skating in front of me on the footpath was this biker's boot, but still attached was his <gasps> leg. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we actually got in trouble with the management of the hotel for going into the the uh, kitchen and getting a load of frozen peas to wrap this thing in a big box, in an old fish box, which the paramedics thanked us for. Don't know whatever happened to the guy. 
whether I got it back or not. But there you go, two accidents I was close to and two people lost their legs. There you go. Oh my Anywho. not not the paparazzi stories I was I was <laughs> I was expecting. No. no. But <clears throat> big so Kensington Palace is was huge for paparazzi. They were always there, you see. So if anything ever happened at the hotel I was working at, the milestone, there was always a paparazzi. Always. They would always if a if a big old uh chauffeur-driven car turned up, they'd take a picture, you know, regardless whoever it was, almost. And our doorman must have been the most photographed place fella in London. Um, and they would also do the same in the Royal Garden Hotel, which if anybody knows South Kensington is right next to the, uh, the palace. And uh, it was opposite sort of our hotel. And the Royal Garden was a huge, great hotel, very, very high and sort of wide and sort of took up a city block almost. And, was, um, was this on Queensgate then? Because I don't remember. Was it on that no, street? No, no, no. Okay. No, it was on the road that would lead down to Harrods. Okay. So if you come out of Kensington High Street Tube Station, or High yeah. Street Kensington. Turn and right. Turn right. Yeah. And walk towards Harrods. All this stuff was down there. And you get to Hyde Park Corner, it's on, or the, the Kensington Gardens are on your left. And the Kensington, uh, the, the Royal Garden Hotel is on your left just before the, 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 the Royal Gardens. And um, we were on the right there, just stuck in. And um, anyway, lots of paparazzi all the time because of Diana, Charles and all that was cracking on at the same time. And um, <laughs> take that came and stayed in the Royal Garden Hotel across the road from us. And um, all of a sudden, it was their very early days now, take that. All of a sudden, there must have been a thousand screaming girls outside they blocked the road the police put up a roadblock because they didn't want the access to the palace to be sort of you know compromised yeah in any blocked. way compromised yeah. <clears throat> and there's chanting and we're looking at we're looking at it going <laughs> look at the royal garden over there look at the lads and i knew the concierge over there so i gave him a bell and said what's going on over there <clears throat> he said, oh, fucking take that here. He said, uh, and everybody wants to see fucking Robbie Williams and that other blondie fella. And uh, they started writing on the walls and spray painting. And uh, it had its own little road into the hotel. You went up a little kind of bridge almost to the front door. So the taxi rank was there and the kids had infiltrated and got into the bag room and got in around the back. The servants or the not servants, the, 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 the entrance around the back. The hotel work. Oh, yeah, staff entrance. Staff, the servants. The <laughs> servants' quarters, yes. And um, so the place was thronged. Anyway, um, obviously, somebody in Take That management's, management heard about it. And um, they said, listen, we've got to put the boys up somewhere. And uh, we ain't going back in there because we can't get past these crowds. Physically, couldn't get in. And... Um, and East West Records, who they were with, said, oh, why don't you put them in the milestone? So all of a sudden, we we get Take That coming in with uh, Andy Peters, a BBC presenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops, like yeah. Yeah, and he was doing a, a sort of a, a day in the life of them, you know, and they're sort of, whoa, yeah, yeah. And of course, the paparazzi have all their lenses pointing towards the Royal Garden, and uh, they come in in this little minivan. And of course, Robbie Williams can't help himself. He starts waving. Oh. 
<laughs> and somebody turns a camera and all of a sudden, bang, all those thousands of people start coming towards our hotel at the front. And our doorman is going, fuck off, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> and the paparazzi who used to come and use our toilets were going, do you mind if we go in and use the toilet? <laughs> not today, not today, mate. You can't go in there. But we know take that in there. He might be having a shit. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't. One of them might be having a he might be having a dump. I just want to get a picture of one of the lads. You know what I mean? I'll give you a ton. I'll give you a ton if you let me in. And it was like trying to keep the paparazzi away. They were horrible, horrible people. But they had a job to do, you know. But they were yeah. just they were oh, they're fucking awful. Yeah, so that's my uh but the, story. it's interesting that you that you bring this up, Mike. And I don't know if you want to talk about this or if we've any if, if this has any legs in it, but it is this week. Harry and Meghan are gonna the 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 Oprah Winfrey interview is gonna come out, I think, over the weekend. It's on Monday at Monday. Yeah. And I think uh, RTE have actually bought it. I think they're gonna show it as well. They have. I think they're an hour and a half behind when it goes out on ITV. Um and of course the because I remember the place you're talking about where um where Diana lived with mm. uh, her family, with whatever I can't even Charles and the, yeah, the well, two. he didn't live there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was otherwise engaged. Charles and the two lads. So it was um, yeah. Lady Di and the two boys, basically, and then Dodie yeah. for a while used to visit sometime. I don't know. Actually, don't know the timeline. But so I was back in when she died. I was back working in juries. Uh, you weren't there. It was. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, Brian was in charge. Yes. Brian was doing Cockney, Cockney Brian. Um, I, I can't do accents. <laughs> um, or Cockney Brian. Knees up. He's like, like Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> chim chibity, chib chibity, chib chib chibroo. Uh, Brian was in charge. And... Uh, and while I was working there, um, the accident, the, 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 she died. Mm. And myself and Suzanne, my wife, came into, into South Kensington to go up and put flowers, uh, you know, where everybody was putting the flowers at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember it was, it was so, I remember it so vividly. Like, I went up, I think my, my wife saw it on, the, I was in bed, I'd been working late, and she came upstairs. We were living in Bounds Green and she was watching the news and she came upstairs and she was crying. I was like, oh my God, what the hell has happened? Jesus. Uh, we were there, like two young people in living in London and I thought something terrible happened. And she, yeah, just, yeah. she just, it was because Princess Di had died. And, uh, and I, you know, I totally get why she was upset. And I, like, it was hard not to be upset. Um, it was such a crazy thing to happen. And it was kind of nice to be there in a weird way and to, Get the tube in and walk down and put some flowers there. There were so many people. It was it was such a it was such a strange, it was such an unbe- like literally unbelievable thing that happened. And the fact that she was dead and she was such such it was like JFK kind of like she was so famous, this like it couldn't be real. Yeah. It is exactly the same as JFK. In in the 1960s and 70s in Ireland, in any house you walk into, there would be a plate on the wall next to the the little Jesus thing where you dip your into the holy water you yeah know, you walk into a house there'd be the holy water well and then there'd be a little picture of jfk next to it and everybody remembered where they were when jfk died 
because he was that generation. Everybody was with him and they sort of, they wished him well. And because of the Irish connection and Americans, I mean, there, there was this liberal kind of guy coming out and he was young and he was kind of rock starry and he was kind of good looking and he had everything. And she was the JFK of our generation, no matter whether you like Royals or anything like that. She was, she was on every newspaper. You could not but avoid her. And this is before internet and everything. She was just omnipresent. And when she died, whatever age she was, she was our generation. Mm. And people didn't die in our generation. You know, and it was just, it was a, it was a tragedy. And uh, I'll never forget it because I was in Derbyshire for the weekend. It was the August bank holiday weekend she died. And we had to travel back to Norwich by car. And it was a four hour fucking drive. And the tape deck in the car was broken. And uh, this is pre-CDs in your car. Well, it wasn't pre-CDs, but it was, my car was definitely post, you know. It was, your car was pre-CDs. Yeah, it was very much pre-CDs. Um, and we had to listen to the BBC. Well, we didn't have to, but it was the only thing knocking out music. But there were, there were no words in any of the music. They went into this royal protocol. So all the music had to be sad, certain amount of beats per minute, and absolutely no words. So it was the most drudgery, fucking ridden, miserable classical music on each of the BBC stations. It was dreadful. So you remember exactly where you were and what was going on because, because yeah. of that. Because of the misery. It, it was insane. And, and like, I remember, like, if you think about it, the bill, like the madness, like you're mm. talking about the paparazzi, like the build up to her death. It just all seemed to be getting out of hand, insane. Like you could almost see it happening. Like because the the Doty thing, and then she went on holidays with them. And then they were trying to they were trying to get pictures of her on the yacht, and mm. uh, it just all. And then like oh, it just it just all seemed mad. Like it was almost inevitable. Yeah, I mean these, these the paparazzi that were outside Kensington Palace were there with all their camera gear. Um, they would use the toilets of various hotels and they were living in these little, uh, you know, when fishermen go, go um, fishing overnight and they have these tiny little tents. Yeah. That's what they were living in, effectively, these guys. There was about five or six of them there constantly. These tents never moved and I'm sure they shared them between each other and would sort of freshen up at seven o'clock in the morning. They would be there when I came on at shift and they would be there long before, long after I'd gone. Um, and it's easy to sort of point the finger at the paparazzi, right? But the paparazzi were doing that because there was big money in, in certain pictures. And there was big money in certain pictures because papers were buying certain pictures. And there was papers were buying certain pictures because once those pictures were on the front of their newspaper, we were buying them. So everybody. It was, it was a, yeah, it was a vicious circle. It was everything was driving everything else. And we were all involved in this oh, insane yeah. lust for this person's fucking life. It must have been absolutely bonkers. And I love the fact, and I really think it's showing up because I'm not sure that there wasn't, I'm, it's, I don't think it's conspiracy theory to say that maybe someone else might've been involved in her death. I don't know. Um, it seems likely that it might not have been just an accident. But now, oh, yeah. to, now to have Harry kind of, you know, effectively leave 
the royal family on his terms with his American wife and to see how the PR of the royal household is behaving towards this woman and what the things they're saying about her mm. and how they're trying to discredit her and how they're trying. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting uh, what they're what they're doing. But I think it's brilliant that Harry, you know, he did it with the right person at the right time. He went, OK, I'm out of here. I'm going to start telling some home truths. They're absolutely fucking shitting it. I'd say they are. I mean, I'm not a royalist in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, this kid is unlucky enough to get sort of born into it. He loses his mother through whatever circumstances he loses his mother. But they make him walk down the mall after her coffin, you know. And there's this little kid, vulnerable and whatever. And maybe he wanted to walk down the mall. Who knows? Maybe mm. dad, I, you know, I don't think Charles is as bad as they, they, they paint him out to be. I think there's a, you know, it is all about the crown. Yeah, he's part of it. He's part of it. Like he, he's he's a product of us, you know. It's not he's not a bad guy. No, 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 no. He's, I mean, Harry has had lots of um, errors in judgment. You know, dressing up as an Nazi and having a bit of a to do with a young one in a Vegas hotel and getting video doing it. I mean, I mean, he he is not he's not the brightest fucking tool in the box, is he? I mean, he, he's he's. Well, he, I don't know if he's not bright, but he's he's he just he was a bit wild for a while. He tried to he wanted to break free he like he just you know you can see it in him he, he wasn't he wasn't cut out for that life charles well, isn't even his, know, charles isn't even his dad <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to cut that out shit oh yeah i mean you know there's all sorts of allegations as to who was doing what and you know i don't think diana was um particularly as you know uh, white as the driven pure as the driven snow either um, there's a lot. It was a fucked up relationship. It was a, you know, and the and the. It was a crazy they, time, man. We all partied, Mike. You know. <laughs> it was it was awful, but I, I'm looking forward to watching um, the thing on 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 ITV on or on RTE on Monday night. Although I'd be doing my writing class at the time, I need to tape it. Actually, you need to tape um, it. Yeah, you'll be. You'll I be, will watch it. You'll be doing your. Uh, you'll be doing your last minute writing. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the royal f- family decide that Prince Philip needs to die that day. That's exactly what I said to Sally Ann last night. I mean, last night it came out that he was it was going to be ITV aboard it, and it's going to be on at half eight on Monday morning, on Mon- Monday evening, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, um, the uh, Prince Philip is uh, doing well, recovering after a slight, slight heart issue uh, in the thing. Uh, you're thinking they've put him on ice now. He's dead. He's yeah. He's five to eight. Yeah, he's already dead. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, eight, five to eight Monday evening. Oh, Prince yeah. Philip has passed away. We're going to have to shut down all the television stations for a bit. Yeah. I tell you, it could happen. It could happen. Yeah, and we called it here first. And if we're wrong, I blame the OGs. <laughs> yeah, I blame. <laughs> For making us, for making us, we were a product of this setup. Yeah, Um, but may I get back to Liam and his photography? Yes. Um, So, yeah, little, very little paparazzi stuff, I'm afraid. Um, But don't tell another someone lost their leg story, don't we? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Liam. Um, But I moved 
back to Ireland and I started working in Doombeg, which before Trump, I'd just like to put that out there. I left. Trump came. I left. Couldn't be doing with it. Anywho, yeah. um, <clears throat> the owners who originally bought Doombeg, uh, one of them was very much into the arts and uh, into photography and music and all that sort of stuff and really had an appreciation for the coastline of Ireland. And um, he got a guy in to take some photographs. And this chap was a guy called Steve Uzell. So I, I'll never forget the name. It's U-Z-Z-E-L-L. -L. Um, maybe there's only one Z. Anyway, that's me saying I'll never forget the name. I look there. it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget how he spelt his name <laughs> until the day I realized I might have forgotten. And uh, we, we were barely open. I mean, no, no real paying guests. And in comes this guy. And uh, he said, listen, uh, my name is Steve. I'm here to take a couple of photographs. And I thought, all right, there's been constant press coming in all the time because it's a new hotel and people are staying in there and they wanted the reviews written and they wanted to be this and they want to be that and they want to be the other. And uh, this guy comes in and I think, oh, fucking hell, here we go again. Now some photographer. And he said, I'm staying for a couple of days. Um, I said, all right, can I give you a hand with some stuff? He said, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, I've got some uh, camera equipment in the back of the car here. Uh, maybe we'll get it up to my room. And um, I think I've been given your name. You're here to meet me. And I said, yeah, I'm meeting a guy called Steve. And I said, you're Steve. Yeah, meeting you at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. He said, can we make it seven? I said, yeah, no problem whatsoever. He said, actually, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to make it six. Um, and I need to get the cherry picker out on the golf course. So he'd hired this little cherry picker, you know, those sort of extendable... Little, a little lift yeah yeah platform yeah, yeah. and uh, i said yeah no problem at all i said do we know who's um bringing the the cherry picker and he said yeah no i've got him sorted he said he's going to be on the uh, the 14th green or the 14th tee box at six o'clock i said there and we'll all be there i said great no problem whatsoever i'll come in and i'll rob a buggy and we'll get you out there we'll get whatever you need to do i said i presume you're watching uh, you're going to take a few photos i am he says and i said um do you need me to do anything with these? I mean, I can keep all your camera equipment down here. And he said, no, no, no. He said, no, that camera in there is worth about 50 grand. And I went, Jesus. I said, uh, that must be a really, that must be a really professional camera. 50 <laughs> grand. Like 50 Gs worth of camera. And I went, that must be really special. He said, it's the lenses. Uh, they're special lenses. I just, I, I want to take a shot tomorrow. He said, I've taken all my good gear with me. So um, he said, no, I want to take that that camera with me he said the rest of the stuff can stay down here if it's easier for you and we can just take it from here in the morning i said great no problem whatsoever and um of course i never I, you know i never google anyone i just take people at face value sort of you know so next morning we go out and we're up there and uh he's really dressed like uh an american fly fisherman you know the, the little jackets they wear flat Flak jackets are there? What are they, kind with the pockets? And... Yeah, it's got a knitting and it's got places. And he's got camera rolls literally in every orifice of this thing. There's camera rolls and he's got stuff around his neck. And he's got this, that, and the other. He's got this, that, and the other. And uh, the guy says to him, listen, on the cherry picker, he says, uh, listen, we've, uh, we've only a certain amount known the batteries. Um, we can only go up and down about 10 or 15 times. And uh, Steve is saying, don't worry about it. We need to go up once. I'll stay there till I get the shot. That's it. I said to him, what is the shot? He said, well, they want a, uh, a picture of the whole golf course. I said, how are you going to do that? He said, well, we've got some editing stuff and we're just going to take, he said, maybe three shots 
and get the whole golf course, the whole bay with the sea, he said. But I'm just waiting for the clouds to be perfect. I said, Jesus, you're going to be taking photographs all day. He said, no, no, no. He said, um, uh, don't just, he said, you can sit in the car and drink tea if you want. I said, great, okay, fantastic, I'm getting paid. So anyway, he said to the cherry picker guy, he said, we're up too high, bring me down, bring me down. So I'm talking away to him, talking away, and uh, he hasn't taken a single photograph, and we were there about two and a half hours. And he says, hold on a sec, and he went, okay, we can go home now. Bang. I thought, fucking hell. This is, you know, he's, he's obviously very good at what he does, or he's just a chancy, you know? <laughs> and... And about three weeks later, in comes this photograph of Doombeg. So it's got, it's a two mile beach effectively that the, the golf course straddles with the big sort of building at the end. And this building or this picture has got everything from the building and all the two mile and all of the golf course in it. Um, and he's taken it with this big fisheye sort of lens and whatever and stretched it out. so. And it's on this illuminated box, which was about, I'd say, probably 15 foot long in perfect sort of everything was focused. The clouds looked like the beginning of The Simpsons, you know, those white, fluffy, fluffy clouds. Yeah. And the waves were all breaking perfectly. And he'd taken this shot in like in four clicks, put it together. And it was the, the, the spa downstairs when you went into the golf club downstairs was this po photograph, which is a huge talking point. Who the fuck took this? And of course, he goes away. He gives me a tenor tip and says, thanks for all your help, whatever. Uh, really nice to meet you. Um, I said, yeah, great. Uh, went, went back in, Googled him. So he's a buddy of the owner. And he was the, um, he was now the photo editor for the National Geographic, and he'd come over specially just to take this one photograph. No way. This was his thing. He just came in. This was his thing, apparently. I read about him, and I read, uh, read the beginning of a book that he read, and it was all about, it's about the moment with photography. It's not about the place. It's not about anything. It's just a feeling. And he, all of his shots, he just takes with feeling, and that's it. Just stops, does sports, does everything. Yeah, he's, a, he's an award-winning guy. So Liam... You could become Steve Uzel. It's all wow. about the moment, man. Yeah. But I, but also, obviously, that that was his like you know. There's like I was. He's like he's like a big game hunter. Like he only goes for elephants. He doesn't bother with. He's just like obviously the big the big photographs was obviously his particular skill. Like yeah, like he, like one of these direct. Catalog. Oh, he does other stuff, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You were going to say. You know, like one of these directors that just, you know, well, I only f make films like Titanic or, you know, uh, mm. I'm trying to think of any of the director's names now, but maybe Spielberg or uh, Cameron, whatever his name is. <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille, I'm going to say. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, James Cameron, yeah. is that his name? Uh, Cameron, yeah, yeah. So I wonder, he, but I mean, to be that good at your job and to be that skillful and to know exactly what you need to bring up with you and to know exactly what height you need to be at for when that moment happens. Like there's like so much goes into being ready. It seems yeah. like he just took, he just snapped a few times and that was it. But in the middle of a sentence, like literally, you know, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> it was done. We can go home now, guys. It's a wrap. 
But so, <laughs> like, because anybody else would be like, oh, Jesus, I better take 56,000 yeah, pictures yeah, yeah. just in yeah. case. And he just had he, he, so much work had gone into him getting to that point to being able to just take those photographs so nonchalantly. Brilliant. Seemingly yeah. yeah. Seemingly yeah. nonchalantly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the go. way you, you talk, your voice is treacle. It's non, you know, it's, it's seemingly nonchalant. But I know a lot of work <laughs> has gone in to your vocal training. I know that you spend hours. Yeah, that's true. It's all true. Um, It reminds me of the time, actually, I used to uh, stand outside Debbie Gibson's room while she was doing her voice warming. She was playing Grease in London. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Are you sure that's what was happening? (laughs) She was with Craig McLaughlin from... uh, uh, neighbors. Neighbors. Were they was were they a couple or were they just in Greece together? They were just in Greece together. Yeah, he was Danny and she was Zuko. She, Danny no. Zuko. Danny and Zuko. <laughs> yeah. Sandy. Oh, Sandy, baby, can't you yeah, see? That I'm in love with you. This most this podcast is mostly for Liam because he loves musicals as well. So, oh yeah, big fan of the musicals. Actually, Liam, did you know that your um your uncle, your uncle uh, Keith, whenever he's talking to uh, people who are actors, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, I've done acting too. I uh, I had the lead in a musical. What was the musical you had a lead in?" Well, it's funny because it was called because I men- mentioned Cecil B. DeMille, right? Uh, and I only remember that because the musical was called, it was written by an Irish guy and it wasn't very, it didn't do very well for him, I don't think. It was called The Biograph Girl. And The Biograph Girl was a musical written by, about this director who wanted to be like Cecil B. DeMille. He was a, like, he was, he was a pioneer of the movies. Um, so I was like, so the music was all about like him being a, this great movie director and... Mm. The sort of there's the other characters were like, you know, a sort of a blonde starlet, uh, a, a, a man, a leading man type, and then this guy's wife, and it was just basically about the movies or uh, when they started becoming movies and not. Um, uh, he was, I think it was he he'd started, the talkies had st- you know they'd started doing yes. talkies and he was like kind of against the talkies and that's not what it was about so it was sort of 1930s, and I played. The main character, the, the main director dude, um, called the, the, the Biograph Girl. Do you remember any of the songs? Not really, no. I mean, there was a song called That's the Biograph, That's the Biograph, That's the Biograph Girl. Um, he, he, he was one of the pioneers, a man who's something, 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 and something dull as something, something behind him. He was one of the pioneers. La 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 that kind of thing, you know. Brilliant jazz hands. Oh, beautiful. That's fantastic. You should use this as your audition tape. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think if I don't if if I don't get if the phone doesn't start ringing after this podcast goes out, I may as well give up the acting altogether. Maybe when we get out of lockdown and the OGs come and see a live podcast with you interviewing somebody interesting. Yeah, me, not me. You, um, you and me. No, no, you, you could do a little. Um, 
I could Welcome sing to the podcast. <laughs> I'll sing one of the songs from the biographer. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up and see if I can find the script now. They'll probably make me pay for it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sing one. The, I'll sing one of the song. That's the biograph. That's the biograph. That's the biograph girl. Oh my god! If any of my old college friends are listening to this, they'll they'll have enjoyed that. Um. I think that I think we're done, Mike. We're done. We done for yeah. the weekend. Yeah, I think you can go and enjoy your pasta sauce that you're not having until tomorrow. No, um, a pie tonight, an experimental pie. Ooh, experimental pie. Uh, Three point one five. Such a fucking lame joke. Such a lame joke. But really funny. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll have to talk about Clubhouse another time then. Oh, no, quick, can you, can you, uh, for the rec- for the record, I don't know how long we've been on and what, what your uh, limits are. What is Clubhouse? A Clubhouse is an app and it's kind of like, uh, you jo- it's, it's social media really. Like, so it's kind of like Twitter. It's kind of like, not like, it's more like Twitter than Instagram, say for instance, and you can have conversations with people, but uh it's it's a it's 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 built around the idea that this is a big clubhouse it's massive right and it's got all these rooms and you can right. basically book a room uh and have a talk so you can so i was on i was in clubhouse last night at eight o'clock and i was giving a talk on irish radio and how i thought irish radio could be in trouble um and if you wanted to come along to my talk at eight o'clock last night all you had to do was be on clubhouse click on the little link and join me and uh so, so last night I was giving a talk and there might have been like 10, 15 people max in the room because it's only new in Ireland. There's not that many people. Not because my talk was shit, because uh, it's only new in Ireland. There's not that many people on it. Um, so, yeah. So and the way it works is I kind of have a room booked for eight o'clock. I give my talk. It's kind of like not TED talky, but, you know, you just for me, it's I use it because I'm trying to get used to talking about subjects, putting a kind of a talk together having an idea putting a talk together and delivering it to people and i find it's it's something that i want to do more of and so i'm using it as an exercise and if people come they come and if they don't they don't um and yeah there's like um so so you see i give gave the talk and people can so so as you're talking because it's not visual uh you know every now and then I'd, i'd stop and say look if anybody wants to join in at any point just there's you can press a little button that shows that you're you put your hand up I can bring put people up on stage with me. They can sort of ask me a question or make a contribution. Um, so like last night at one point, it was more like I, I started off the talk. I was talking for a while. Then another guy kind of joined in. And at one point, it was kind of a bit of a forum. There's a few people talking. And then we kind of wrapped it up. It lasted about an hour. So it's, it's, it's one of the best social media apps I have come across in my life. Okay, but so... Just to clarify that you say it's like Twitter, but you're actually talking. There's an audio aspect to it, is there? It's it's audio. You're you're. It's like this. It's like a it's like a live podcast. Okay. But you but but yeah, like a live podcast. I was going to say, but you can just you. I can just be given a talk. But lots of people just do that. Like Blind Boy just talks on his podcast. He doesn't talk with anybody else. So Mm. it's it's kind of like just like a live podcast. That's the best way of explaining it. Like if we wanted to have like the reason I'm doing, I've done three of them now. And the reason I've done them is you have to have three 
talks done before you can apply to be a club. So I'm going to apply to be a club. And then once I have my Keith Walsh club or whatever it's going to be called, like me and you, every Tuesday night, we could have uh, playwriting. So we could, every oh, yeah. seven o'clock, we could rock up and discuss ideas and what have we written since the last time. Other people can watch. They can join in. They can chip in. We could have like a, a writing room. You could have you could have 10 people in the writing room and they could be closed off. Um, you could have... We, we could have a poetry night on Wednesday nights um, where everybody brings a poem and everyone else listens and you, like a, an open mic night. Yeah. Uh, like there's loads of really brilliant possibilities. Uh, and like right now with lockdown, I feel like it's a great, it's a great um, facility. So is there a visual aspect to it as well? Is it like a, a Zoom call without the videos yeah. on? It's like this. Like, okay. like I, I'm like last night I gave my talk, I was kind of, I could just be walking around here, my, my office, but I'm imagining I'm on stage and I'm delivering a talk to these people who are in the audience, but they're just like sitting in their gaffs or on the bed or downstairs or in the car. Like one, two weeks ago, I did a talk with somebody with a couple of people and uh, one of the people had to go somewhere. So she was just in the car on her, on her hands, hands free, but she could still like be involved and chip in and get involved in the conversation. So it's, um, yeah, it's, there's, there just seems to be lots of, I think it's a very interesting uh, app and I think it's got lots of potential. Um, yeah, I think that might suit me better actually because people don't have to see me and what's behind me. Yeah, exactly. And well, but uh, yeah, so, but also if you want to share ideas or thoughts, you can just say, look, you know, Mike Marin talking about, uh, you could do, you could do your, like whatever the spiel is you, you give to tourists about the, the cliffs or something. You could decide I'm going to do that next Tuesday night. If you want to, let's pretend we're at the cliffs some more. I'm going to bring you, you know, you could virtually bring everybody. And if everybody kind of imagines that you could sort of do a tour of the cliffs some more in the area for them. Do you know what I mean? That's a great idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. I quite like the sound of that app. And it doesn't seem like it doesn't go on and on and on. You just do it and that's it. Oh, and that's it, it's gone. It doesn't it doesn't stay there. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't. It's just it's an hour of talking and then it disappears. Yeah, I quite like that. Quite yeah. like the, the next time you're doing one, um, let me know. Oh, you see, because I don't I've switched all my alerts off now on Twitter and stuff. So every time I see Clubhouse, join Keith Walsh Clubhouse tonight at eight o'clock. It's like, oh, fuck, it's ten past ten. So what I'm thinking I might do is do a short story night. Oh yeah. Where I invite people to come up, come and get and get up and read their short story and like just say it's like two, three hundred words or something. Or, um, and I think that might be interesting to see if, mm. if uh, you know, if you got a few people to sign up to it, some something like that. But that's it. Uh, and I think you have to be invited to join at the moment. So you have to know somebody who's in there who will invite you. Okay. And well, yeah. I, I think I have, I think you get a limited amount of invites. I think I have three invites at the moment. So let in me know if you, forever. let me know if you want to, I think you get more as you do, as you do more, you get more invites. So I kind of had, I had one and I invited, I had two and I used them. And then, so I have three, uh, th then they, they notified me the other day, I have three more invites. 
Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't waste them on me. No, I'll waste one on you, and it won't be. Uh, it wouldn't be a waste. But there you go. That's Clubhouse. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in the short story thing. To, to, to read it to someone and get some sort of you know, not not necessarily criticize be criticized a bit of feedback or something or yeah you want to get a bit of positive feedback or a bit of enthusiasm or a bit of you know and and there's a little it's funny because if you want you can kind of applaud so anybody if people are up on the stage so if you've got 10 people up on the stage and you're talking and people agree with what you're saying they just tap on their microphone so you can hear this little noise of the microphone opening closing and that's applause that's me applauding you exactly Mike, listen, I gotta go and see okay. how my wife got on driving behind the tractor. Three miles an hour. I don't <laughs> think I think I think it was it was it was uh it was five thirty one when she rang you. I don't think she's gonna get stopped in the post, but listen. You know. Yeah. Well you see she was going to the post depot. I think that opens till six. Yeah. Post depot. But- it's even worse than going to the <laughs> post office. It's probably four o'clock on a Friday. They're all gone home since Thursday. Uh, we finish early on a Friday. What time? Thursday. Mike, right. take, it, take it handy, man. Regards to Liam. Yeah, yes, and it, it was basically the Liam show. Um, yeah. Dedicated to Liam. If you uh, don't forget about the, the play, you know, the radio play. Okay. Miss you. See you, Mike. Don't drink too much this weekend. Bye, man. There you go, the podcast dedicated to Liam. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. Um, shout out to anybody listening. It's good to get a shout out. If you're listening right now, shout out to you. And a shout out to everyone. It doesn't take that long to shout everybody out. Um, I kind of forgot, was there a conversation? Did I put my wife's my phone up to the mic? When my wife rang me, I should really listen back. Can't remember, and it's too late now. Anyway, don't know how that sounded. I'm sure, it was fine. And uh, what else was in there? Um, yeah, the the stories of the legs coming off. That was interesting. Putting the leg in the in the box with the peas. Yeah, and. Paul McCartney's Mrs. Leg coming off outside Kensington Palace. Tell you what, he's got all the stories. Um, look, at, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed the chat with me and Mike. Uh, I'm going to try and get this edited and get it up and go to bed and get some sleep. Uh, if, you're first, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, you're very welcome. And uh, tell all your friends. And don't forget to subscribe because that means the podcast will just drop into your thing wherever you get your podcasts. You won't even have to go looking for it, and you'll be delirious. What else? Yeah, give us a review, and uh, thank you very much, as always, to Acast. This is part of the Acast network. Um, that's it. If you hasn't left, I think I need to go to bed. That's it. I was making a valiant attempt to continue talking, but I'm going to stop now. Good night, everybody, or wherever you are, whatever time it is. Have a. I gotta go now. See you. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 